You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. What is going on, Uncanceled? How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, so, uh, well, this video was uploaded on a Friday. We record on a Thursday, but anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. I'm excited to talk with you guys today about biblical repentance. I don't know if this is going to be a two-parter or not. It kind of just depends on how I do uh, on time. Yep. Uh, but um, we'll, we'll see. This could be a two-parter. Maybe it's a one-parter. But I told you I would talk, talk to you about repent, repentance this week. My goodness. Um, but You're a little parched? I, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I am a little parched. Need you know, to drink? I, I, I need something to drink because... It is the first week of rate that carbonated, carbonated water. water. Come on now. We, this is our first week uh, in our rate that series. We got rate that carbonated water. What do we have today, Ben? Why don't you tell us? So we, uh, we're starting with, uh, I don't know if it's super well known, but oh. um, it's, a, it's a sparkling water. It's not a seltzer. It's, it's not. a sparkling water. A sparkling there is water. a difference. There is. Um, and so this is sparkling water, liquid death, and it's their lime flavor. So... And I would like you guys to know their tagline is "Murder Your Thirst." I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. That's a really tough like tagline. Like, right, like it's it's, tough. it's it's pretty good. I like the uh, name. Yeah, Liquid Death. Sure, why not? Yeah. Right. Let's see. There we go. Let's see, I'll we're cracked it. open. Yeah, I think that should be substantial to be able to. There we go. What are we? Uh, what are we basing this off? You know, what's our criteria? <sighs> so for, here's for the what apples. I would say, it was right? pretty easy. I would say that, that that's good. We do need to set that standard because it is our first one. I would say like, like a good, a good like carbonated water should probably have like a fizziness. Yeah. Like, like an appropriate fizziness. Like yeah. it shouldn't be like so hard to swallow, but it shouldn't be flat. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and then flavor. obviously flavor. Right. Right. How much does it taste like lime? Is it a good right. lime? Yeah. That kind of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That I think that those are all fair standards. Flavor, um, advertisement of that flavor, oh. right? Because like if it's telling me it's lime, but I'm not really getting lime, yep. that's not fair. Yep. So, uh, but anyway, let, let's okay. let's go for let's go for a little taste. Let's do it. Wow. That's not what I was expecting. That's really good. It's very smooth. Wow. Normally, I don't love sparkling water. I definitely prefer seltzer because I like a lot of carbonation and I like it to kind of hit me. Um, and, and normally, sparkling water for me just tastes like, like too juicy and like I uh, just don't, not for me. But this is very smooth. I'm like really impressed. I, this is a very like, I could drink this easily, like, all the time. It's only 20 calories, too. I mean, you can have the rest. Which is, like, what's that? You can have the rest. Oh, I don't really care. I, I was saying, oh, yeah, I could water. have the rest throughout the pod. Yeah. That's true. Um, but are you getting any sweetness? I am. I am, too. Is, is lime sweet? I don't really think so. So here's the one thing I will say about it. It says in the ingredients, because I looked for it, it has orange extract in it as well. That's interesting. And um, I, I'm going to say, though, like, lime is, like, like, I don't know, like, I guess I hear what you're saying, but lime is definitely sweeter than lemon. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm going to say for this first one, right? We it don't really good. have the best comparisons because yeah. we're really we're really setting the standard here. Um, I think a fair rating for this, and it may go up as we try other yeah. other waters, you know, sure. uh, or other uh, carbonated waters. Um, but I'm going to probably say for me, I'm going to give that a nine. It was a really good seltzer, or a really good. Sp- oh, sorry, carbonated water. You almost set me off there. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it's. It's a seven, and I think that that's pretty good for me because I definitely do prefer seltzer. But that's a good, a good sparkling water for I sure. That was excellent. That was, that was great. a great start to. That was a great start oh. to it. Oh, you can take it. You can All take right. it. I'll, I'll just keep this All for right. me. Um, Rate that. Yeah, that that's that's definitely up there for me. I actually prefer that over seltzer. Seltzer's a little too fizzy for me sometimes. It like kind of like burns my throat a little bit, and I, I like this a little bit better. I think it's like more of a smooth, smoother taste. Um, Ben's laughing because of the pink lady and the gums. If you guys understand, if you guys understand uh, that (laughs) reference. Anyway, on to more important things. Um, You know, we were talking about hyper grace last week. And we were talking about the false idea that we no longer need to repent as Christians. As a Christian, you no longer have to repent is the teaching of hypergrace because your past, your present, and future sins are forgiven. That's an incorrect teaching. Uh, your future sins are not forgiven, and I proved that last week in our teaching uh, in the Word of God. I want you to understand that every single opinion that I have, quote-unquote opinion, is not an opinion. It is out of the Word of God. If the Word of God taught in hypergrace doctrine, I would believe a hypergrace doctrine. But the Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches a, uh, a theology of, of uh, our sins being forgiven. And then when we sin again, we need to repent be, and for, uh, we need to repent again and get right before God again. Um, the Bible does not teach that when you sin, you lose your salvation, but it does teach that sin damages your relationship with God. So we just, we base everything on the word of God. That's it. We base healing on the word of God. We base, uh, you know, uh, finances on the word of God. Well, uh, we base, uh, everything just out of God's word. So I want you guys to understand that, that we start in the Bible, we stay in the Bible and we finish in the Bible. So I told you that I would do a full teaching on repentance this week. So what I want to discuss today is repentance. Look at that. Specifically, if I get to it today, I want to do seven signs of true repentance, but we may not get there. We may just uh, stay on repentance for a little bit. The text that I want to dive into today is in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10. Uh, we're going to go a little bit further. We're going to go to verse 11 as well if we get to the seven signs of true repentance. Um, I have my Bible right here, but I'm actually going to be reading out of the NIV, so I just um, have my computer in front of me. I know, how dare you use a computer? Uh but um, uh, my Bible's an NLT that I have right here with me today. So I, I want to read this out of the NIV. I feel like it says it better. Um, 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10. If you have your Bible, go ahead and uh, open it, look it up. It says this. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, uh, though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry. Goodness, my dad's calling me right now. Hey, dad. Anyway, yet now I'm happy 
not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended and were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Interesting. Interesting passage of scripture. I want to give you a little bit of context so that you can understand that scripture a little bit. The church in Corinth, they had just received a letter from Paul that in some way rebuked the Corinthians for doing wrong. And Paul, he wrote a letter, and no, it was not 1 Corinthians. It was a letter that was in between 1 and 2 Corinthians that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he basically rebuked them or corrected them for doing wrong. And he told them that they did wrong, and likely the scenario was that uh, someone in the church of uh, Corinth publicly spoke of Paul in a way of dishonor and the church of Corinth did nothing about it. That is likely what happened. There probably was more to the situation, but nonetheless, the Corinthians, they repented for what they did. And Paul says that he regretted the letter, but then he realized, oh, like this letter actually like, like did something. So at first he did regret it, but then he didn't regret it anymore when he saw the, um, the effect that it had and what God did through the letter. So let's start here. What is true biblical repentance? What is true biblical repentance? Let me start here. Repentance is not being sorry for something that you did. That is not repentance. Repentance is not being sorry for something that you did. That is not the fullness of repentance. How do I know this? Because of 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. It says this, Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, not because you were made sorry. He says, not because you were made sorry. He doesn't say because you were made sorry. He says, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. So listen to that again. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. Sorrow or being sorry is not repentance. The Greek word for sorrow here literally means a sadness or a grief for what you've done. That is not biblical repentance. That is the beginnings of biblical repentance or the pathway which will lead someone to repent. It starts with having a godly sorrow, a godly sorrow. The Bible says in verse 10, it says in 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leads no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Notice again, godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. Sorrow in itself, you know, crying your eyes out, being sorry about what you did is actually not repentance. We teach that sometimes in the church. Come down to the altar and just, you know, you know, cry and you know, you, you know, we don't say that necessarily, but come down to the altar and, you know, people just are crying and they feel so bad about what they did. And then they share a testimony. I just cried at the altar and it was so powerful, but yet they didn't repent. They maybe had the beginning stages of repentance, but they did not actually repent. Godly sorrow though will lead someone to repent. But there is a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Sometimes people come down to the altar and they cry because they have worldly sorrow, not because they have godly sorrow. Let me say that again. Sometimes people come down to an altar and cry, not because they have godly sorrow, but because they have worldly sorrow. 
I've seen it a lot at youth retreats where people just cry because they have sorrow, not godly sorrow, but worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow, listen to the difference. Worldly sorrow is being concerned about doing something wrong by somebody else or knowing that what we did is going to negatively affect us. That is worldly sorrow. Is knowing what you did is going to negatively affect you or you wrong somebody else and you kind of feel bad about that. But mostly the second thing, how it's negatively going to affect us. We know, you know, I did something wrong and now I can't go to that party tonight or I can't go do this tonight. As a youth, that's very popular. We know we did this wrong and maybe as an adult, if you're watching, you know that it might cost you your job. That is a worldly sorrow. That is a worldly sorrow. And those things are real and people have those types of worldly sorrows. But the type of sorrow that leads to repentance is godly sorrow. Here's what godly sorrow is. Yes, it's being concerned with hurting other people uh, if we did them wrong, right? You know, because that, that's important as well. And the Bible talks about making amends in those cases. But more importantly, godly sorrow is being worried about offending the Lord. You do something wrong and you're offended that, or you're worried that you offended the Lord. You're like, wow, I offended God. See, many people feel sorry, but some people are sorry they got caught doing wrong or how the action will negatively impact them. Godly sorrow, though, will be very concerned with offending God and dishonoring him. That is godly sorrow. And that godly sor sorrow, when understood correctly, will then propel someone to repent. But just because I feel, I feel sorry that I offended God does not mean I automatically repented. There's an action that's, that, that's necessary next, and I'll get into that in a second. But I wanted to share this story with you. I had a student that came up to me, and I, I had just talked about avoiding sin. And a, a student came up to me, and I had mentioned uh, vaping in my teaching. And I don't know why, I just, I just said it. It kind of just came out. And, you know, I believe God put it in my spirit for a reason. But basically, this student comes up to me, and they said, Pastor Joey, I need to talk to you. And they slowly just began to cry, and they said, I haven't been living right. I've been doing this, I've been doing that enlisted all these things that they've been doing, they began to cry. And they said, and my relationship with God is just so damaged. I'm so worried about, about my relationship with the Lord. Immediately, I recognized godly sorrow. Why? They didn't say, you know, and, you know, I'm upset that I did this because now I can't go do X, Y, and Z. Now my friends might not like me. Although those, although those may be real concerns, but her primary concern was offending God, my relationship with God. I know I've done wrong by God, Pastor Joey, and I just want to be right with God. Wow, that's godly sorrow right there. That's godly sorrow, but it was not repentance. It was not yet repentance. The godly sorrow would then lead this individual that spoke to me to repent, but it was not it was not the godly sorrow and repentance at the same time. The godly sorrow led to what would later become repentance. So now, what is repentance? We understand godly sorrow. We understand the beginnings of repentance. Now we have, you know, we just kind of talked about the beginnings of true biblical repentance. We talked about what it's not. We talked about what leads up to repentance. But now what is the actual repentance? The Greek word for repentance is metanoia. Metanoia. 
I think I'm pronouncing that right. That's how Strong's pronounces it. So I think that I'm doing it right. But metanoia. Metanoia, it means a change of mind. It's a change of mind. It is when you change your mind about sin. It's biblical repentance. You do not just say, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm sorry that I did that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But you make a decision in your heart and a decision in your mind that you're going to turn your back on sin and you're not going to do it again. That's repentance. That's repentance. I'm turning my back on sin. I'm not doing that again. We think that it's God, I'm sorry. Amen. No. It's a, I'm turning my back on this. So many times I have students tell me, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, you know, I said sorry and I kind of just, you know, I knew that I would say sorry again later. That's not repentance. You know, when I was in high school, I would say sorry to God for, you know, lusting, for lying, for cheating, for doing something I shouldn't do. But really and truly, I said sorry and I had a hyper grace mentality. I said sorry. And I was like, oh, you know, yes, sorry, God, you know. But I knew very well I was going to do it again later. I had not made up my mind that I was not going to sin anymore. Literally, I didn't make up my mind. I just figured if I do it again later, God will forgive me later. And it's true, God will, God will, for, God will forgive anyone that comes to him and truly repents. But if I just have a flippant attitude of God, I'm sorry, but I'm not really turning from sin in my heart, you did not repent. I know this is hard. This is hard teaching right here, but it's the truth of the gospel. Why do so many people just turn right back to sin? They have not made their mind up that they're not going to sin anymore. Joseph, in Genesis chapter 39, he determined in his heart that he would not sin. I'm going to show you guys this in the, in the scripture. I didn't have this in my notes, but God's been stirring this in me lately as I've been reading through the story of Joseph says right here, Genesis chapter 39. And Joseph didn't sin uh, prior to this. Joseph, um, Joseph was making a decision to not sin, though, still, so, so it's still related. But Joseph, it says, uh, Potiphar's wife was trying to sleep with him. Joseph said, it says in uh, Genesis 8, or 30 and 39, 8. But Joseph refused. Look, he told uh, her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Notice two things here. First, Joseph refused to sin. He said, it said Joseph refused. Joseph made up his mind that he was refusing to sin. But then watch this. So he identifies, yes, it would be wrong against Pharaoh, or, or wrong, I'm sorry, wrong against Potiphar, who has treated him well. He's worried about others. But look at what his primary worry is. It would be a great sin against God. Joseph had made his mind up that he was not going to sin and that it would be a great sin against God. In the same way, and while Joseph didn't sin here, he still made his mind up that he wasn't going to sin anymore. When we repent, we need to come to a place of making our mind up that we will no longer sin. We will no longer sin. Am I saying you have to be perfect from that point on? No, but I'm saying that in that moment, you should have your mind made up that you're not going to sin anymore. If you're thinking in your mind when you're repenting, you know, Father, I'm sorry. 
you know, I repent. And you're thinking in your mind about later on that night that you're going to sin again. That, huh, maybe later on that night I'll, you know, I'll sin again, but I'll get right right now. That's not true repentance because your mind has not been made up that you're not going to sin. You know, oh, you know, I just, I just watched pornography now. Lord, would you just forgive me right now? I repent of that. And as you're even saying the prayer, you're making plans in your mind for the next time that you might do it. I've been there. When I was, oh yeah, when I was in high school, I've been there before. Let me say sorry now so that when I sin later, I'll feel better. What? That's twisted. That's because somebody didn't teach us proper repentance, or maybe they didn't, we didn't listen. Proper repentance is I am making my mind up that I'm not doing this wicked, wicked thing anymore. That is biblical repentance. Turning your back on sin. So what do we do? We go before God. We ask for forgiveness. Lord, forgive me for sinning. You tell God, Lord, I want to turn my back on this wicked sin. And then you ask God to give you the strength to actually, to actually carry it through. To help you. And this is, listen, this is where people get it twisted. This is not you putting the responsibility on God to make sure that you don't sin next time. This is asking God for strength that the next time that it comes, that you're able to lean into his strength and do it. It's your responsibility at the end of the day to make that decision. It is your responsibility. It is not God's responsibility to make sure that you don't sin. It's your responsibility, but you ask God for the strength to be able to do it. Repentance, making up your mind that you will not sin. Next week, we're going to talk about seven signs of genuine repentance that you can find in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And I promise, or I'm sorry, verse 11. We're going to talk about seven, seven things, and I'm excited. It's going to be good. You guys are going to learn something next week. And I hope you learned something this week. Make up your mind today. If you've been dealing with the same sin over and over again, make up your mind today that I will not sin. I'm not going to do this anymore. I am making a decision to turn my back on sin. I'm done with this thing. That's biblical repentance. Amen. Biblical repentance. So I guess the title of today's broadcast is biblical repentance. Very simple. Biblical repentance. Amen. God bless you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I pray that God spoke to you today. Uh, if you need us to pray for anything, feel free to drop something in the comments. I'm happy to pray for you. And uh, if you come to Impact, I hope to see you next week. If not, I hope to see you on the broadcast next week. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly podcast from Uncanceled. God bless.